Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And I'm Ethan. And this is Track Walking. This evening, we have the man of mystery himself, Ethan Lighton. How are you doing, Ethan? Pretty good. Um, so, we, we talked a little bit, just like super briefly, about almost a series we wanted to do, but um, I wanted to start with Ethan about, I don't even want to say support characters in the land of racing, um, but we talk, we, we can easily talk about drivers as being like the stars, being the lead singer of the band, but to make a track weekend happen takes so many people and so many volunteers just like coming and hanging out to even make it worthwhile and Ethan is a I would think it's fair to say that you've become quite well known this year for what you do on a track weekend mm-hmm. so could you just quick run me down like any given uh, grid life weekend for yourself so this started back in probably when I started helping you back when we were building your car back in March and I just got really bored because we were on shutdown at work and I was like I want to go do something because I didn't want to stay at my apartment and not do anything so I was like I know Scott I know you were you know in a time crunch at the time because we were getting ready for uh, NCM at the time because it was Mm -hmm. pre-COVID schedule Yep. and we're like okay this dude needs help and yeah he might be three and a half hours away but you know this is something i want uh an engine swap that i want to learn to help my friends and stuff like that and so over time i think it was i think i went up there twice to help you Mm -hmm. with the engine swap and then got that done and then grid life changed their schedule and we're like oh wow we have more time now to you know shake things down instead of just you know throwing it out there and seeing what happens thank god and uh <laughs> yeah so like autobahn was the first great life event i went to this year mm-hmm. and uh wow <laughs> we had some stuff to do a lot lots of stuff and not just you because usually what i do when i go to these events is what makes me happy is seeing other people, you know, being on track, not being off track. And I've met so many strangers, you know, over this year that have become, you know, great friends and stuff like that just by like, hey, I noticed you went off. Like, do you need any help? Um, just simple stuff like that, because the, the one thing people miss a lot is having a second hand or a second pair of eyes to see if somebody like misses something, you know, super simple that they're overlooking. And, or in your case, like you have to do the beginner uh, sessions and whatnot and do all the instructing for that. So, you know, while you were having your ups and downs that that weekend at Audubon, uh, I made sure that, you know, Becky had help, you know, so it just wasn't her 
in case something you know worse happened i guess and sure. a lot did happen that day yep but, uh, it's a long hot day man yeah <laughs> and and you were the, actually the the second car i actually worked on that day yeah was, yeah uh, uh emil was first right yep emil was first right next to you <laughs> yeah yeah emil uh Emil Tab, uh, fellow GLTCer, fellow K Swap Miata guy, uh, much faster than I am, but he uh, he decided to blow up a transmission. Uh, day one, I think. I forget if it was right after, yeah, during qualifying. During qualifying. And uh, had a couple hours before race one, and they happened to have a spare transmission. <laughs> yep. So uh, le- leading how, up how, to that, how quick how quick did you guys get that done? Uh, I think we got that in like forty five minutes, and we had an hour to do it. So okay. when we got done, we we're like, "Oh, we got plenty of time! Like fifteen minutes, plenty of time." Jeez. <laughs> and I remember it was it was hot enough that weekend that like there were a couple people holding umbrellas to shade you guys on yeah. while you were laying on the hot black <laughs> asphalt. Shout out to Pervez. <laughs> yeah. He's a gorgeous uh, umbrella girl. <laughs> yeah, you so you and I originally met uh on like people do on the internet. Uh I think we were uh Instagram friends, right? I think so. And yeah, we had just kind of gone back and forth and yeah, you just you'd shown a bit of an interest in what I was doing and just you know, seemed like a good guy, and just kind of out of the blue, you're like, "Hey, if you ever need help, give give me a shout." And I moved into my new house at the very end of February. Mm-hmm. The first event at this time still scheduled was Autobahn in the middle of April, and I had an entire motor swap to get done brake swap to get done and to shake it down before then which is not a lot of time yeah for somebody who works a full-time job has a kid etc etc so yeah i uh i reached out to you (laughs) and i didn't even know how far you were i thought you were local (laughs) and so seth it wasn't even until he showed up that day i'm like because you, you came at like 9 or 10 in the morning. It was 10 morning. o'clock, yeah, in the morning. And he shows up, and we, like, we're like we talking, kind of getting going. He's like, yeah, I live in uh, northern Indiana. I'm like, how how far of a drive is that? He's like, yeah, about, about two and a half, three and a half hours, depending, one way. We should probably <laughs> even step back in time here, because you guys are you guys are buddies, and you've hung out in the garage. And I've sort of heard of you, Ethan, but, but pre- Scott, like you existed pre-Scott, mm-hmm. and yeah. how did, how do you go from, like, why are you doing this? That's that's my thing. Like, <laughs> that's totally like, fair. like, what's what's your history that gets you going? Yeah, dude with a Miata, I definitely want to do that. What's your track history? Your mechanic history? It's probably too broad a question, but how did you arrive in a world where helping Scott seemed like a reasonable? solution to your boredom so um 
uh, just growing up, I've always wanted to just work on cars, tinker with things, stuff like that. And uh, it was probably two years ago when my friends introduced me to autocross and really got into that and just, you know, helping them out, helping my friends out in the garage just with their builds and whatnot. Do and you have a car that you autocross or are you or have you always just been a helper? Uh, I do autocross from time to time. I have a eighth gen uh, Honda Civic Si that I drive, just like uh, Brian's. Yeah, and very uh, very popular car amongst this circle. <laughs> yeah, and um, I kept telling everybody that you know eventually I'm going to go on track, and it wasn't until uh, Fall Special 2019 when I went to my first Grid Life event, and I was like, you know, this these track vibes are just way better than autocross could ever be and just like everybody's just having a great time you know even if you know my friend you know drives nine hours from virginia and blows up his turbo and i'm in there swapping which is actually the first time i met scott uh oddly enough is i was doing a turbo swap on my friend's uh 1.8 uh miata and he just happened to walk over one morning he was like hey what's going on i was like this is what's going on. <laughs> As one does. So you were sort of the me- were were you sort of the mechanic guy for your group or were you just you just sort of poked your head in wherever you could? Uh more of that. So Okay. I was the one that was always doing most of the traveling like like I said earlier, I, I, uh, I enjoy my friends being on track because you know they spent the money to you know participate that, and if something happens to their car, which you know takes them out, especially early on, if like some of these grid life uh, weekends are two, three days long, and if they you know break something first session day one and they have a spare, but they don't have like the the manpower to help you know get things along. That's that's where I come in and usually help. Yeah, you you kind of show up almost like the bat signal, like an invisible bat signal goes up in the middle of paddock, and suddenly Ethan just kind of knows where to be. And I remember asking you this question, but I'd like you to answer it again, if nothing else, to remind me. How do you know where to be? It just, it genuinely seems like, especially in time attack, a car breaks down and you just like appear. Like, are there multiple copies of you like all over the <laughs> paddock? What, how do you actually do that? I don't, uh, you, for a typical day, I'm usually walking up and down paddock, you know, whether you're doing a GLTC race or if just various, uh, time attack people are going out and i see that they missed their group for something and their car sidelined and i'm like wait a minute their car should be out there right now why is it not there so then that's when i come in you know ask a few questions see what's up and then i'll go from there and the biggest thing for me was uh early on i i, I was telling myself that you know some of these top builds in like the track mod area or yeah, the track mod area. I was like, I remember at Autobahn, 
you know, I was fixing so many cars, and I just, and uh, Ferris had his Corvette there, and I was like, I looked at that, and I told my friend, I was like, if there's anything I'm never going to work on, it's that thing, because that thing looks way <laughs> out of my out of my league. And, and just so if <laughs> listeners don't know and you don't haven't heard of uh, Ferris, and I'm not, I apologize, Ferris, I'm not going to say your last name because I'm afraid I'm going to butcher it. And Ferris has a twin-turbo uh, track mod Corvette that is blisteringly fast. And the turbos are literally visible right behind the front tires. It looks terrifying. <laughs> the thing goes like stink. So, yeah, you said you're not going to work on that, and then... Literally, what ended up happening? literally the next event at mid Ohio, I was like, why am I limiting myself to, you know, only these certain builds? Like if you want to learn things, this is the time to do it. I mean, cause I have the time, uh, just a lot of people don't have time. And that's what I've noticed. Like with you and instructing and certain and other people doing other things, it's like a lot of people just don't have the time to look over certain things. And so that's as like a bat signal. I'm that's I'm the one looking around paddock, seeing you know how people are doing basically, and then I'll go from there. I'm like, oh, why are they coming in during qualifying super early, or you know it's race two, and they made it halfway through, and now they're getting towed back in. Like, why are they getting towed in? So then I'll go automatically to them, and then see what happens. So you're you're genuine generally on these weekends you're act actively looking for people to help you're not kind of just wandering yeah. around playing sidelines you're actively looking for things to get your hands on yeah and it's not the same people too it, it's literally anybody and everybody well that was gonna be my next question have you tried to or contemplated becoming part of a team that so you would sort of dedicate that energy to a group of people, or is that just too limiting for your skill set? Uh, yeah, Ethan. Fu funny you ask that because uh, uh, over time people have noticed, and uh, one guy in particular, Aaron Lichty, um, shot me a message after Road America, mm -hmm. and he's like, "Hey, you know, you're a good guy." And uh, you fit the vibe of the team really well. Are you interested in a job down here if you if, if you want to move? And I remember reading that message at 8 o'clock on a Monday morning, you know, during, during break at work. And I was like, holy crap. Like, yep. what can I do to get this job now? <laughs> we need a little bit for the, for the listeners. We need a little bit. Uh, Aaron Lichty is a name yep. that we see on our GLT, like, really up high in the GLTC standings but like most people um, he's just a dude who races cars you know who he is away from the track and Scott knows who he is away from the track and I kind of do but tell our listeners who he is away from the track and why getting that message from him like makes you dance around and pee yourself a little <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Aaron owns uh, a motorsports preparation shop in Louisville, Kentucky called The Winning Formula and uh, they have about five or six cars on a GLTC weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, all drivers very successful 
you know, within the top 10, uh, not only just driving, but, you know, build quality in their cars too. And it's not all, it's not just K Miatas. It's, it's more than that, but, uh, branching out. Yeah. Well, the, the shop itself actually does quite a few Porsches and they came out with their first GLTC, uh, Porsche Cayman scott bowling's car this year and uh, he and that car have progressed quite quickly yes so So you're gonna work for them at the shop and travel to all the things is that sort of your your future superhero job as far as i know yes (laughs) you're gonna do whatever they tell you to (laughs) i already told everybody because i work at a a super factory in uh, Lafayette, Indiana, and once I got that in September, I immediately uh, told my team leader, I'm like, hey, this is what's going on, like, probably not going to be here the start of the year next year, and this is why, and he was like, I totally understand. So knowing that assurance, I was like, oh, well, okay, we got that out of the way. (laughs) When do you make the move? Uh... Hopefully next month. There's a few things I got to work out with uh, my current apartment lease and whatnot. But uh, that's exciting. That's super exciting. Yeah. I think there's a whole there's a whole bunch of us that uh, I'll go back to this w- in different podcasts where we're like we're old and we haven't done anything interesting. And and when we meet younger people, we're like, oh, dude, I totally would have done that if I wasn't old and doing boring things. So. Uh, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of a whole bunch of us that are that are going to be very excited to semi follow along on your your adventure. This is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of a just a crazy. I don't even want to say crazy, but for me, it was super heartwarming when you when you sent me the that screenshot of the message a few days after you got it. I mean, because you you work pretty hard over a track weekend and you travel just as far as anybody else but you don't travel to drive and like kind of be seen on track you drive to hang out work on cars and eat some food and sleep in your car like you're you're literally doing it the hard way yep and, and I mean, uh, I've never been one for, I don't have a crap ton of money. Like, I'm super basic. Um, I go to all these events knowing that I'm probably going to sleep in my car. But then, uh, you know, after certain events transpire, you know, helping with other people's the cars, they're like, hey, where are you staying tonight? And they'd be like, hey, I have a hotel. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> it's better than my uh, SI seat in my car. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but another thing to add, uh, what Scott was saying about, you know, going to these events that are, I'm kind of lucky, as in, like, most of the ev- these events are, like, the farthest one away from me is, like, four hours. And relatively speaking, that's pretty short in the racing yeah. scheme of things. Yeah. And so I'm kind of lucky in that, you know, perspective. But, uh, is that Road America for you? Road America, uh, Mid Ohio, and NCM are all four hours from me. Okay. 
But yeah, uh, yeah, those are four hours is still a local race here in Texas. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I found <laughs> that out. You've got to drive four hours to get groceries. Yeah, just about. <laughs> no, but another thing, uh, uh, a lot of my friends were like, well, and like Scott was saying, why do you go to these events knowing that you're not going to drive on track? Like, what, what drives you to go to these events and, you know, everybody has the urge to, you know, want to go fast on track and whatnot, but my whole goal is to just see my friends happy, and that's really what comes down to it, and if I, you know, can help them fix their cars, even if it's simple stuff, I mean, as long as they're on track, I'm happy. And that's such, that's just a perspective we don't hear very much at all, and part of the reason why Seth and I want to talk to uh, people like you, we've uh, we've talked to a few other people and groups that we're going to interview in coming episodes that, yeah, there's, for every driver that's on track, I, I don't think I can guess how many people come to track events just to be a part of it in some way, but it's way more than two to one. I... I, I don't even know, but there are way more people that show up than drivers who show up. Yet all the focus generally is on the drivers and what they're doing on track mm-hmm. because that's where that's where we're all looking. That's that is what's exciting. But the infrastructure that's underneath all these, the the family, the crew, the the people like you who help, the corner station workers, the rescue people, the organized organizers food vendors just all of these people Mm -hmm. like they show up because they want to be there and they want to support this goofy sport of ours that we all pretend is like the most important thing ever and yeah i I think it's awesome and i think it's crazy (laughs) as a driver who drives you know many hours and works a lot to be on track um you know the thought of driving that far and working just as hard to not drive i just i find that super noble if nothing else well scott have you ever done a weekend where you haven't driven i mean have you so like do you have any perspective or are you just dreaming this i I mean, we've gone to Gingerman a few times when we haven't driven, um, but that's like 45 minutes to an hour away from us. It's not that far. Yeah. Um, you know, I've when I was much littler, I've traveled to like the Indy 500 <laughs> to go watch, but even that, I feel like, is definitely a different, different realm than certainly what we're talking about. I know of one but instance. Uh, I think it was. What was that? Actually, uh, no, it wasn't Honda meet. It was uh, a K Miata meetup this year. That yep. uh, you came with the uh, with the yarn test. And we put it on Darby's car. Yeah. She wanted to see, you know, what that looked like because we did it on your car when I went yep. up one weekend to see what you know, Aero does and whatnot. And I remember just you coming down, just to help, you know basically yep. what i do sure and i did the yeah. same thing that weekend too i just went up yeah. and helped yeah and and maybe and maybe that's the 
I don't want to say disconnect, but maybe that's what it is for me. It's the the drive. I mean, I'll go to Gingerman if I don't have anything else going on, just to like hang out and talk with the buddies and help out where I can. Um, so, how do you? So, say a car comes in that is obvious work needs to be done on it, but you have no idea who the person is. They have no idea who you are. How do you even approach that situation? Like, do you introduce yourself? Do you, like, I, especially like with cars like Ferris's and some other high level builds, like I, you're, you're like some random schmo off the street who's going to work on my car. Like how, how does that play out? So usually, uh, I follow the events pretty closely and see what other people do. So I, I know a lot of names people don't know me until you know i started working on the vehicles so like when uh i don't think ferris got one single clean lap at mid ohio because his car kept misfiring and i knew that previous because he mentioned it uh at autobahn he was having really bad misfires then and at that point uh it was just him in one of the garages at mid ohio and i was just walking around i was like hey like I, I just asked him, like, hey, is this thing still misfiring? He's like, yeah. And uh, don't know what's wrong with it. So just open up the hood and just start it going through it to see what's all wrong with it. And so me being me, I naturally just go under the car right away. So he jacked it up. I just stuck my head right under there. I'm like, ooh, there's a couple uh, key indicators that uh, need looked at. Because I remember he had a, a cracked down pipe. A warped flange and uh, a couple other things and the the main issue was the uh, injectors were getting clogged enough that it didn't blow up ironically but ultimately that was the case and we're like well there's no injectors nearby at all so there's nothing we could do about it at that point but we solved pretty much every other problem that we could have that weekend with the stuff we had at least and then um if we go to like road america that was the first weekend i met uh luke mcgrew and uh for most people know luke mcgrew for you know going through a crap ton of engines <laughs> and uh lo and behold you know he goes through another one at road america but we uh I remember he pulled off in race one, and I was like, you know what? I haven't met Luke yet. Let's go meet him. And then at first, I, th I saw something dragging underneath his car, and I thought, well, that's odd. That's why he's coming in. And then coming to find out his car was misfiring really bad, and, you know. Honestly, I just don't even introduce my name. I just open the hood up, see what's wrong. You know, we find out what's wrong with it, you know, at the time being. And... Usually this is over a span of a few hours, and then we'll get something done, and then I'll introduce my name, which is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> like like guys do. Yeah. So what have... I remember you did a post at least a month ago now 
kind of cataloging not that you need to go through every one but cataloging the number of cars and the different cars and the different issues that you've actually worked on this year could you kind of give us an overview of I don't want to say your accomplishments, but like what you've been involved with this year. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I should have prepped you on this one. Let's see. Doing, uh, Emil's transmission swap in the blistering hot Audubon asphalt, you know, fresh off of qualifying. So the car is like 110 degrees more than the asphalt. And then I'm under there with, you know, no gloves trying to get his exhaust off. But, uh, <laughs> that, let's see. Worked on Ferris's car, worked on Luke's car, worked on your car quite a bit. Yep. Um, let me think. Oh, the, for like a racing dudes. Uh, the weird thing is, and, and they're local to me, and I, and I tell them, I'm like, you know, every time I show up to an event that I'm with you guys, your car does not, you know, crap out for some reason. And then as soon as I'm gone, you know, all the bad stuff happens. And uh, they're they're great dudes. And uh, I saved their butt at Mid-Ohio because I think they just did another head gasket on their Mercedes 190E. Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, obviously, I mean, I know I know there was at least four to five hands, you know, putting this engine back together. And uh, I think they forgot to tighten all the way down one of the cam gears. And so uh, they started a car up at Mid-Ohio, and, you know, there's a bunch of clunking and whatnot. I'm like, that's not right. So they pull the valve cover off, and they go to tighten it down with one of the uh, one of their uh, start bit drives, and the start bit falls off the socket, and it goes tink 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 down the timing chain cover all the way down to the bottom of the oil pan. And Actually, like, makes it to the yeah, oil pan all the way to the oil pan, and they're like, "Crap, you know, we can't do a race with this thing in the bottom of the oil pan." Like, I completely forgot about this. And then uh, <laughs> I remember uh, I got there late Friday night and immediately saw them, you know, working on the car. So I immediately just go under under their car. I'm like, hey, what's up? And they already knew me. So it was kind of easy with that. But I saw them with a, a legit, like a, a three-inch long magnet trying to – make this go all the way to the oil drain (laughs) (laughs) and they were fighting that for i don't know probably an hour and so i was like here just give me this thing and let's see if i can do it and uh, i get it all the way to the end and you know it's sloppy oily mess because they pretty much had to drain all the oil uh to get this you know bit out of the oil pan and then I was like, hey, I need a paper towel or something. So, you know, this magnet, which pretty strong magnet. If I don't want this to get sucked into the oil pan. So I wipe that <laughs> off real quick and, you know, stick it in there, get the bit out. And I'm like, here you go. Thank you. 
have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving now. And then I they remember. had no problems the rest of the weekend. Because I, I think I remember their, their interim solution was that they were going to find the bit in the pan and duct tape the magnets on the outside of the pan. Yes. So at least the star bit won't float around tra- where traveling. Yeah. yeah. That was that was their interim plan. <laughs> That's not the worst idea. That's I mean, not you terrible. could do you could definitely do worse things. <laughs> so your your whole kind of approach to a track weekend, I think it's very different from certainly my experience and i think from a lot of other people's experience and it i don't want to say it seems to be harder it certainly seems to be more unpredictable yeah except that you're gonna fix something that's broken like you come to an event full of drivers full of support people hoping nothing goes wrong they're hoping everything is smooth they're hoping everything stays together sure there might be a few tweaks but you come there i don't want to say hoping but just knowing that something is going to go wrong and that you would like to be a part of fixing it can you talk about that at all? That just seems like a very different mindset to show up at a track weekend, know, just knowing that something's going to happen and that you're going to be there. So uh, usually goal number one is just go to hang out. Like if nothing happens, you know, at least you get to hang out with your friends. And, you know, that's, that's goal number one. Goal number two is um, – most of these guys are going there by themselves and i know some of these jobs are a two-person job and without that second person they could be struggling for hours doing whatever they need to do and when you have somebody like me that's just constantly looking out in paddock seeing you know what's happening and i can usually get a get an eye for certain things and then sometimes uh Luke actually, uh, I think we were in his trailer at Midwest Fest, and Sean Kresbeck was in there, and a couple other dudes, and uh, Luke, uh, being Luke, was talking me up a bunch, and then uh, Luke asked me, he's like, hey, you want to do a, a clutch on an Evo tomorrow? And I was like, what do you mean? And then Sean's like, hey, you want to do a clutch tomorrow? And I was like, why not? <laughs> now, bear in mind, I know nothing about Evos. Going into this completely blind, and I was totally okay with this because, one, it's a learning experience, and, two, we had all the resources you could think of. Uh, probably the two best Evo experts in Midwest Fest, uh, Andy Smedigard and Ronnie Solomon, you know, so Saturday comes around, uh, we get the clutch out, get the new one in, four hour job, and uh, Sean literally resets the street mod record the next session out. 
crazy. On a new cl- on a new clutch. Yeah, brand new clutch, no break in, brand new clutch. New I, I always I always hate to tell other people's story, but I was there, so it's kind of my story too. As was Seth. Um, Seth, do you remember uh, the Evo at MSR Crescent? One lap. Of Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that was. It was a pretty special, uh, semi-destructive event. Um, <laughs> so you you mentioned Smedegard and Ronnie uh, being Evo experts. Well, what we witnessed was nothing short of a masterclass on how to get something done well and quickly. So their Evo, their One Lap of America Evo, uh, went out for the first session and something in the driveline broke. They came to a stop on during their session. So they got towed in, which means that they DNF'd for that event and for the event that directly followed it. We were running two different configurations. And then we had one more uh, timed event right after noon. So they had less than three hours to problem solve and figure this out. So they pulled the car into one of the, the garages at MSR Crescent, put it up on a lift, which they rented the space. And the first thing they did, and I will tell everybody this, because um, Becky and I have since adopted it. The first thing they did was organize their tools. It's just so smart because it's going to save you so much time (laughs) in the future. And they proceeded to uh, discover that one of their flywheel, flywheel bolts, am I saying, remembering that correct, Seth? Yeah. Yep. One of those backed out. One of those backed out. So they had to get a new clutch, new pressure plate, which they happened to have at at the uh, the racetrack there or close by anyway and they got that done in under three hours and they had their driver get changed get into the car while it was still on the lift and they were finishing putting everything back underneath they lowered the car started it up and as they drove out they got the radio call that their group was up and so they drove it out immediately on the track and they got to find out if their clutch was going to work by a massive clutch dump start. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. Yep. It was pretty spectacular. Uh, legends, those guys. Now, something we, you and I have talked a, a little bit about, not a whole lot in person, but something that you've also been willing to discuss on social media has been your experience with uh, depression and those sort of mental uh, mental difficulties will and emotional difficulties will say. Can you? I don't quite know what the what a good question here is, but can you just can you talk about that? So, um, I mean, I don't hide it a lot on social media, but in person, I hide my depression very, very well. And you know, if you meet me in person, 
you know, at any of these real life events or any track event, really. I'm just this happy 23-year-old guy just walking around pit, just making sure everybody's having a good time. And uh, off track, it's like a totally different thing because <laughs> it's just constant stress of, like I was saying, I'm pretty basic and don't have a lot of money, so I'm just constantly stressing over bills or, you know, am I going to make it to this event or not? or uh, just relationship problems, too, and stuff like that. And then, uh, like I've said in most of my social media posts, it's just it's this weird feeling of just going to a track and it's, it just vanishes. Like, I just totally don't even think about that because I don't know. It's like I, I put other people before myself a lot, and I mean that also takes a toll on me, personally too. But I'm just a a sucker for saying yes and not saying no. <laughs> I guess. Well, we have a, a lot of us that go to the track and and deal with our own mental health issues. Do talk a lot about the fact that the the track is our simultaneously our safe space and our our therapy zone. That's the the one place we in our lives that we can go and feel comfortable in our own skin and comfortable with the people around us. Um, and then you can even take that to the extreme of uh, when Scott and I drive on track, there, there is, we talk about it as, you know, the moments of you have a, a pure, nothing else matters. Um, and do you get a little bit of that when you're like when you're actually turning wrenches under a car when you have that that focus where that's the thing that's important in that moment yeah there's certainly a sense of accomplishment because like especially doing a meals uh, gear rock change you know in that amount of time with that amount of people and then you know you look back at that event and you're like i did that and nobody else knows but I know I did that, and that thing's still running like a champ right now. <laughs> you you mentioned that one of the things that you it sounds like you feel is a bit of a problem off track is putting people ahead of yourself. Yet you come to these events at personal expense of money and time to yourself to almost put other people ahead of yourself again. <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this. How how is that different? Like why why is helping these people putting them ahead of yourself on the track? Why do you seek that out when off track that's something that seems to be a, such a burden for you? We're getting know. a little deep right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's like a lot of the the issues are just in the moment, really. So when you know somebody pulls off track, you know, for some mechanical problem, you know, I'm typically not thinking of myself. I'm just like, hey, you know, this person paid this money. They traveled all the way here, you know, wherever that may be. If that's you know hours and hours away or if they're just a local guy like 
I just, I just don't like seeing people unhappy. I just want to help them achieve their happiness and getting back on track. And I don't know what else to say. Just mostly that. Well, it sounds like you do get something out of it, though. That it's not a. I do get like a personal sense of a accomplishment after doing you know a fair amount of these cars now and we've done i've worked on so many cars this year and you know i can remember you know at the first event knowing nobody and now looking back now at all the people i know now and just the the friendships that i've made with them and where those friendships can later lead to is just I'm just super grateful for yeah it sounds like it's not I mean that it's not just the the sense of happiness that you know you you say that you you're working on these cars but and the accomplishment but it's you keep talking about the people you've met and the relationships that you've really developed this year I mean, it, it seems like you're you're kind of becoming, by doing this, you're becoming a part of the community and you're getting to know these women and men of grid life and of track, track days everywhere, that it's not, it's not just something that's draining you. You're not just doing it be, to... Um, to see other people you're also doing it to feel a part of something Mm -hmm. is that right yeah so like uh looking back at most of these things like i i started watching the gears and gasoline videos about when they when they were doing the gridlock coverage you know over the past few years sure and i've always looked up to these guys that i now know that i'm like oh these are like you know quote-unquote famous people when really they're just normal (laughs) you know dudes and girls just trying to get by just working their hardest to to get their car out on track and uh i always looked at myself as being like the the super poor kid that nobody knows about and i have almost like you were saying in an earlier episode about like staying at this low place like when you were making that pass in Eric Cattell at Midwest Fest, you're like, I shouldn't be doing this, but it's happening. And this yeah, is super what, weird. <laughs> what do you do what do you do with that? Yeah. You're like But yeah. It's just stuff like that. Just like uh I need to like upbring myself from thinking that I'm lesser than I am, basically. How's that going for you? I mean, uh, I got a job offer at a <laughs> motorsport shop, so it's going pretty good. Quite a good one, yeah. Yeah. So we have the we have the famous uh, quote attributed to Steve McQueen, where he says, "Racing is life, and everything else is just is just waiting." And I think I've always looked at that quote from a driver's perspective that you're waiting to drive and in this interview with you is the first time that it has occurred to me 
that when you say racing is life and everything else is just waiting, that it can be way more than just the driving part of it. Um, because the how you have uh, approached this with, I could say with selflessness, but you know, you, you certainly get something out of it in the same way that drivers get something out of it, right? You go on track because it's something you love to do and it makes your life better. And, and now I look at, I'm thinking of you and I'm simultaneously thinking of you and Adam Jabay who pours his life into things where he doesn't drive. And I'm thinking of corner workers who sit all day by themselves in a box um, and wave flags and, you know, just just so many people that really do dedicate huge, huge parts of their lives and they're, they are as excited about it as the people that are driving cars. Um, which gives me a whole different way to look at people and probably a whole different way to approach how I volunteer for things in the future, um, whether it's volunteering, helping Scott or Brian do those things or mm-hmm. helping with, with events. So um, you've changed my perspective on things, which is it's kind of cool. And let's not forget, like, I still want to get on track at some point. It's just yes, the, the poorness in me is I just never had that extra $500, $600 cash just to, you know, actually participate in just an HPD event and stuff like that. I've done pl- plenty of ride-alongs in various cars, and it's nice to know that and, like, go through certain lines and whatnot, but, yeah. The ultimate goal at the end is still to get on track. It's just, since I'm here at the track anyways, I'll help people, you know, get that stuff done first. And then, because uh, I just, like I said earlier, I have time, and a lot of people don't. And so that time later will hopefully, you know, get me on track. I was going to ask about what you, what you hope for for yourself in the future. And I... I always hesitate to ask the hypothetical future questions, but I'm going to anyway, because I'm not a very good interviewer. Um, (laughs) Is essentially like, so there will be that time when you're the guy out on track and you're the guy going off and driving. And how do you think, how's that gonna change you I, I again I know I'm asking you to, to go to some place that you're not at right now, but that's a that's a pretty dramatic shift. That's not only saying I'm gonna go help people, but yes, I'm also gonna get something out of it. But you're going on track. That's I don't wanna say that's a, a selfish thing, but I think it's a selfish thing in a very good way. Yeah. The, I'm going out here because this is something I want to do. This is something this is me. This is my ego. This is this is something I'm passionate about. And from going from where you are now to helping and being a part of it, but to something so purely Ethan out on track. Yeah. Is do you think that's gonna be hard? I don't know. Cause like I've came I've came close to getting on track multiple times. And then something in my car breaks. I know. And then I just get 
gutted. <laughs> and I'm like, I was this close to getting on track, and then this one sometimes simple thing can screw the entire car up. And like uh, a couple weeks ago, my car was down for probably three four weeks, uh, and I was fighting electrical gremlins because my car wouldn't start. And I, I went that. through everything starter relays everything new charge harness and i was like why is this thing not starting the battery is perfectly fine and then uh i forget no i was at ncm and uh and my dad called me and he's like hey there's this corrosion on one of your ground wires from your from the chassis of the car to the engine it looks corroded and I cleaned it off, and now it's starting up again. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Something so simple, but yet so overlooked. And that, and that's what I'm saying with you need a second person, a second set of eyes to see some of the simple stuff. And now I haven't had a problem since. And it's just so really, crazy stuff like that. I really want to make a T-shirt that says, did you check the grounds? Because every single one of my <laughs> friends who has an electrical issue, it's become sort of a meme between me and my friends that I'm, I'm like, did you check the grounds? So did you go over every ground in the car, take it off, polish it, put dielectric grease on it, put it back together? Because until you've done that, you haven't checked the grounds. And it fixes probably 50% of the electrical issues in cars. And yeah. when I, I bought an old uh, 911 that had the weirdest mystery issues and I spent an entire weekend doing nothing but crawling around that car. And old air-cooled 911s have like 23 different grounds. Like like each power seat is grounded and other things <laughs> like that. And and I probably saved myself $2,000 in Porsche special, specialty mechanical work. And I fixed it. I, all I did was polish the grounds and I fired it up and it ran beautifully after that. So I really do need to make a t-shirt that says, did you check the grounds? And so we can all wear them around so that people can think I'm making you, you, you get one of the first ones so that you can re <laughs> you can remind yourself <laughs> of that. Yeah, for sure. So what, so what was that like, like with, with your dad who actually like your dad became you uh, <laughs> for a moment did that did that help you realize like the importance of having a you at the track or like pretty much to, to that be was on him, the other side of that, that. was him by himself because like at the time i really when it you know boils down to it it's usually me borrowing his car so he's like how can i get my car back okay i need to fix this car <laughs> to get my car back so it's like a big circle between me and him and my car nice. and his car i'm trying to do that stuff that seems fair. Yeah. That's that's when it really just boils down to. And uh, thankfully, he found that out. So then I just hopped on hybrid racing, you know, ordered one of their ground kits, and smooth sailing since then. There you go. So you hope to get on track. You're about to make this literal big move Yep. Uh, down to Kentucky. Uh, to go work at a motorsports prep shop. What, I guess, w what are you hopeful for in all of this? Are you hoping that this is going to give you more 
on track opportunities? Are you hoping? I don't want to put words in your mouth. What are you hoping for? Uh, a little bit of both. So, the nice thing about uh, working down there is I know all the guys already. As opposed to every other job I've ever worked in my life, this new job that I'm about to get, I know all the guys there. And uh, I know Emil has actually offered me... Uh, to drive one of or drive his uh, Miata and uh, like a beginner session at NCM. And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not signed up, but I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I get it. But uh, yeah, when, uh, when Aaron approached me and we started talking together and uh, just about track uh, on track opportunities it's just it'd be a lot easier to work with them and you know to to get on track that way whether it's in my car or somebody else's car because ultimately i don't care what car i'm driving on track as long as i get to get on track i mean it could be a uh, a lemons car it could it could be anything as long as i'm on track i have the safety gear to do it so that and then uh an- the other part of that would be uh just the uh the various amounts of cars that they get in there cuz they're not just a, a Porsche specialist or a Mi- a K Miata specialist like they work on every single car you can think of yeah sure and uh like i said earlier i'm just I'm all about learning new things and the day you stop learning new things is when you really fail to understand yourself, I guess. So this is a proper proper career move where you're trying to to move yourself forward as a person and a mechanic and yeah. and all of those things that we hope for when we make a career move. Mhm. Because let's be honest, I do not want to stay at a super factory working on an assembly line for 20 more years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I get it. I'm, I'm still reeling by what you just said, and I feel like this could be an entire podcast on its own. But when you stop learning new things, you stop understanding yourself. That's... I know. I, yeah. I turned this around on you. It's. That's. that's no, we're gonna. <laughs> we're gonna have to talk deep about that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. My. I. Yeah. I'm gonna have to ponder that for a while before. Uh. Before I even have a question for you. Yeah. So speaking of interesting, uh, I guess perspectives on the whole driving thing that all of us do, I always find it interesting to get the perspective of somebody who doesn't get to do it very much but wants to so badly because all of us like we get on track like that's our main mode of being of existing at track is driving on track your main mode of being is laying on your back covered in some type of fluid that's not your own maybe it is and wrenching on somebody else's car that you might not even know their name yet you really want to be out on track doing what they're doing 
what's what's that desire like and why why do you want to be on track versus under a car what what do you think that would do for you that working on a car doesn't i mean you really want to have uh your mechanical skills figured out first i think so that way if something does happen on track whether it be like your suspension does funky things and you're like oh i know exactly what's happening let me go off and like try and fix this before the next session or uh i don't know that's that statement makes me think that you are the uh the anti Tom O'Gorman right there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I just if I just listen... don't know because I haven't been on track. Which is weird because all of last season I did a lot of autocrossing. But like in autocrossing, you very rarely break stuff. Like you do five, six runs and that's your day. Like, you don't go out for 20, 30-minute sessions, you know, five or six sessions per day, and then, oops, something backed out because something got a little too hot, and then something fell off, and you're like, well, how'd that happen? This has never happened before. And I'm kind of, like, preparing myself almost on, like, the what-if could happen almost. So once I get those out of the way and just understanding uh, just what car I'm driving and what the characteristics of that car is, I think it'd be a, a lot easier to, to drive said vehicle probably. So Seth and I just recorded a podcast uh, last week that will come out I think a couple weeks before this one will come out about kind of nuts and bolts and stuff that you can do in the off season to become better as a driver one of the things we didn't even talk about and one of the things I don't think I really considered was becoming better mechanically aware of your own car like to actually take stuff apart on your car and see how it goes back together um, working with your hands on the car to so if you do have to I mean the mo one of the most basic of tasks if you do have to change the brakes on a race weekend do you know how to do that well uh, if you do need to I, I don't know fill in the blank like do you know how to do that yeah or stuff like that yeah so when we talk about like what you need to do to prepare for a track weekend i mean to be honest biggest thing i say is like you need a helmet and you need decent brakes and hopefully a coach um it never ne never occurred to me uh to actually say and like write it down as something is to know how to do the basic things mechanically on your car I don't know which that that brings me to a question I was were uh, wondering about earlier do you bring your own tools to the track or do you rely on the tools 
that are in the pit that you wander into? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, my car, the back, the trunk of my car is always filled with all my tools because I don't have a garage and you never know what's going to happen anywhere you go. So there's probably 200 pounds of tools in the back <laughs> of my car at all times because there's only been like two or three times where I had a tool that somebody didn't, but usually okay. everybody has, you know, your standard tool set that you can get most of your stuff done with. So I'll typically use their tools first, but if we need more of something, then I'll bring my tools out and help with that. Just think how fast your car would be with 200 pounds less weight in it. <laughs> it's a whole human. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, wondering, he's wondering why his rear shocks wear out so fast. All the time, they're just wearing out. I remember we had a, a fun event at or for autocross at Grissom, and uh, it's one of those days where it was sunny, it rained, and then got sunny again. Well, uh, all my friends would or thought it'd be a great idea to go five deep in my car, and I was like, I don't know about this, guys. <laughs> it's a lot of weight, <laughs> and I. And I almost did the fastest run of the day in my car with five people in it. <laughs> <laughs> with like 600 added pounds of weight. <laughs> so, I, I, I'm not trying to do a, a gotcha question or anything like that, and I'm sorry to even preface it like that. You carry tools around you because you never know what's going to happen. You show up to race weekends pretty much expecting that something bad's going to happen. You learn how to work on your cars ahead of time in case something bad is going to happen. And one of the taglines for our show is how you do anything is how you do everything. And just kind of this almost assumption that shit happens. Yep. Okay, now we're going to have to put the explicit rating on this particular podcast. Um, is that how you do everything in life? Like, are you just ex and and I don't I don't think that's a bad thing to preface it. I'm just I'm curious because that like continually in this conversation, you're just it feels like you're just preparing for the inevitable, which is yeah. for something to go awry. I mean, I always assume that there's this karma that's after me, and I know the second I don't bring my tools with me, something bad's going to happen. Because my car is getting up in mileage, and it's at that point where a couple of these OEM bits are uh, are on their last trip. <laughs> so Yeah, you've got a few miles on your car now, right? Yeah. Yeah, especially after I just got back from uh, my brother's place in San Antonio. And that's probably been the farthest drive I've done in my car ever. And it was rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always a bold thing to uh, look at your car and say, okay, car, it's like uh, 1,400 miles each direction. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And We're going to have zero yeah. problems. 
And yeah, somehow I sure. had zero problems. That's amazing when that happens. Although if you talk to Brian DeFreeze, he'll tell you that's just what 8th gens do, right? He, yeah. He was he was uh, on the podcast that, that aired today. He was talking. We were talking about the fact that that for a while he wasn't a great mechanic. Not that he wasn't a great mechanic, but he didn't ever have to fix anything, so he didn't learn things because his card just worked. Um, and so that was sort of his the the beautiful part of his civic is uh, he didn't have to be a mechanic because I don't know his car always worked, always started, always ran, never really broke anything. So it's interesting that you have a slightly different opinion of your 8th gen Civic at this well, point. Well, I should say my suspension is pretty much shot. Now, my engine and transmission, that's that's perfectly fine. I have yet to like touch anything in either of those two things, other than replacing the clutch. But that's about the only thing I've had to do with my car. How many miles do you have on it now? Two hundred and thirty-four thousand, and I've had it. Oh, okay, for, that. I've had it since one hundred and sixty thousand, and I've only had it for almost three years now. Jeez. All right, that's some driving. That's yeah. those, those are some legit miles. Especially this year, I think this is the most I've driven my car ever. So this is, I, I remember, in my Honda Fit when it was getting up in mileage that I really wanted to see it to the moon, which I think is like 220 something thousand miles. So your car is driven to the moon and is making its return trip back right now. Yep. <laughs> I always get tickled with that. Okay. Well, Ethan, thank you for taking the time and for, uh, this is podcast, so nobody can see it, but Ethan has my car in the background, which really confused uh, the ever-living <laughs> snot out of me when I first a, saw it. A picture it. that I took, too. <laughs> yes. At Autobahn. Um, is there anything you want to plug, your socials, um, anything like that? Um, I mean, you could find me on pretty much everything. It's just Ethan underscore Layton for whether that be Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter. And then uh, I will say um, on Forza, on Monday nights, uh, Dewey, out of all people, uh, made this uh, beer league that we call it. And we run uh, spec Datsun 510s. And it is the wow. best time with all the bros and uh we usually do that on monday nights at uh nine eastern eight central so okay. if anybody wants to jump on that all you gotta do is download uh, dewey's tune uh in forza for the datsun 510 and you can look that up on facebook we have our own facebook page for that and we just have a good time with that and there the you off go. season Go hang out with uh, Eric Dewey Dewitt and uh, Ethan Layton and uh, get your butts handed to you. Uh, I know I would. I don't <laughs> I don't play racing games. I would embarrass myself, I'm sure. 
Well, you can find Track Walking on Facebook and Instagram at Track Walking Podcast. Um, we are going to be doing some more interviews, some more topics. I think we're going to be doing a um, kind of a sort of a live Q&A kind of thing coming up. I uh, At some point, I think around the first of the year, most likely. We'll have to see what the scheduling is like. But for the three of us here, I'm Scott. I'm Seth. I'm Ethan. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you next week.